Welcome to Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Coming up in these three things, Buffalo's league-leading point differential and where it ranks historically. A Bills defense that statistically dominates. And will it be Diggs or Knox matching the team's single-season touchdown record? We also revisit NBC Sports' Chris Sims' top 40 quarterback ranking for Josh Allen and whether or not that preseason ranking was on the money. Are the playoffs here yet? All right, glad you could join us here on Bills by the Numbers. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker and Bills insider Chris Brown here with you as usual. And we open up our discussion with a segment we like to call these three things, three items that are current to the Bills and their performance on the field. The first of these three is Buffalo's league-leading point differential. Right now, it's a plus 177, which sounds like a ridiculous figure. Right now, if the season ended, it would be the greatest single-season point differential in team history. Since the merger, it would rank as the 45th highest point differential. We'll see if they can improve on that figure in the final regular season game against the Jets coming up on Sunday. Question for you, Steve, the leader in point differential has not made the Super Bowl in each of the last three seasons, which I found very interesting. But from 2013 to 2017, the point differential leader has, in fact, advanced to the Super Bowl. Your team in 1990 led the league in point differential, reached the Super Bowl. Your 91 team was third in point differential, reached the Super Bowl. The 64 Bills led the AFL in point differential, and won the AFL title. Does this year's Bills team, as the league's point differential leader, get to the ultimate game? you got to put them in the conversation. I mean, there's so many things that can happen in the playoffs. you got to win three games to get there. And, uh, you know, a bounce of the ball could ruin your season. But the Bills have been one of those teams where when they've lost, they've lost close games. Or the Steelers, the one game that got out of hand was the Colt game when they turned it over and, you know, the, the wa- offense walks off the field trailing 14-7 to seven behind the Colts. The next time they see the field, it's 24-7 to seven after a couple of turnovers. So, uh, yeah, that game got out of hand. But for the most part, the Bills are one-score games when they lose and they're running it up on teams when they win. So that's why the point differential is what it is. They're a hard team to beat, still a hard team to beat. So, yeah, the Bills are going to be in the conversation. They should be. And the other teams that are at the top of the list as well will be in that conversation. It's hard to have a positive point differential, in a, particularly in an AFC conference that is so tightly wound as this one. But the Bills are hard to keep off the scoreboard. And that's going to be what does it in the playoffs. You score a lot of points, you're going to put a lot of pressure on your opponent. I think the Bills are going to continue to do that down the stretch. So, yeah, I'd say the Bills are the team – but you got to look at it and say, wow, that's a team you got to get around to get into the Super Bowl this year in the AFC, along with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Bengals. How it reflects on the Bills specifically, too, I think it means, or at least it signifies to me, when this team is clicking on all cylinders, they wipe people off the field. Yeah. And then when they're a little bit off, they find themselves in a tight game that at least to this point, they found hard to navigate, knowing they, as we have mentioned on our various shows before, 0-5 in one-score games this year. So hopefully they can figure that part of it out when maybe they're just not quite at their best, that they can still find a way to win that it's, kind of a football game. Knowing playoff games, Steve, more often than not, 
are close ones. Well, you know, not, they're usually one-score games, 10-point games at the most. It's not a, a rocket science. You got the team that's scoring the highest points in the conference. They're 28 and a half points. It's number one in the conference. And they got the number one scoring defense in the conference. I mean, that's – yeah, that's right where you want to be. Uh, you, are, you are where other teams would love to be, including the Tennessee Titans, including the Chiefs, including the Bengals, and, you know, the three teams ahead of them. That's where you want to be. You want to have a defense that's hard to move the ball on, hard to score on, and you want an offense that can ring it up. So the Bills are sitting right where they want to be. Now, certainly, you look back, and in one score, if one score games were all reversed, the Bills would be 15 and one right now. You know, four of their five of their six losses have been by one score or less. Yeah. And, you know, they just, they're ringing it up on people, and they wouldn't have lost any. Um, one-score games when they won because there weren't any one-score games in their victories. They were all double digits. So it's they're a tough team to beat, no question about it. And when they hit on all cylinders, I don't think there's anybody out there that can stay, stay with them. That goes for the Chiefs. That goes for the Bengals. That goes for the Titans. This is a team that when it hits on all cylinders, they're just really tough to score on, and they're really tough to keep off the scoreboard and out of the end zone. So, yeah, the Bills are sitting – their Bills are right where they want to be. Um and literally, they're a hand, less than a handful of plays from being the one seed in the AFC. So they're right where they want to be. Certainly, they they're going to have to they're going to get a playoff game. Probably, if they can win, probably a couple of playoff games at home. So it's going to be it's going to be a run through Buffalo here for a lot of teams in the AFC. And you know, if the Bills play well, yeah, there's no reason to think they're not going to be in the conversation at the end in the AFC Championship game, maybe even the Super Bowl. We'll revisit league leading point differential a bit later in the numbers game our second of these three things is buffalo's defense which has been lights out in terms of total defense and pass defense almost from front to back this season buffalo has been number one in total defense since week four that's 12 consecutive weeks in the number one spot they've also been the number one pass defense for 10 out of 17 weeks this season and they've been first or second in points allowed in 13 of the 17 weeks played this season. They could be the first Bills defensive unit to rank first in total defense in the league since 1999. We know it's really good, Steve. Can it be dominant? It can. It's not really built to be a spectacular defense. We haven't seen this defense like jump off the page statistically in anything. Uh, certainly both safeties with five touch, with five picks. That's a good thing. They, they got a big, huge – in the beginning of the year when, when the Bills weren't turning it over, they had a huge plus-minus on the turnover ratio. That's one of the things that has really helped them. But they're really not a spectacular defense, a big playmaking defense, a big sack team, a big interception team. They are just really solid. You end up getting – you're getting – you know, the, the, the Bills' opponents, it seems like they just get the life choked out of them, and they just run out of possessions – to try and catch up with the Bills' offense. And certainly this defense does get help from the highest-scoring offense in the conference, but there's no doubt. Uh, this defense is not built to be a stifling, dominant defense. It's built to make it hard to win, hard to beat. They, take, they keep a lid on it, hard to get big plays against, and this defense has really only struggled when it has given up big plays. You go back to uh, – the, uh, the Colts games, you go back to even the Patriots games, and the one they won, they, they gave up a big play. Even in this Atlanta game this last week when they won so handily by two touchdowns, they gave up the 61-yarder to, to uh, uh, the tight end for the, for the Dolphins. Uh, yeah. yeah, so 
this is a defense that really it's hard to move the football on, and unless they give up a big play or something, you really got to go the long way for four quarters. And that that puts that's a lot of times that's just too much for offenses to do. Yeah, in many ways, the Bills' defense kind of represents or resembles what Belichick has done with his defenses for so many years up in New England. It's not necessarily a cast of stars or pro bowl players left, right, and center. Steady players, dependable, productive, consistent. And then they don't give up a lot of yards. They're really good on third down, and they're good in the red zone. The Bills defense is good in all those areas. They're top five everywhere, top five in red zone defense. And if you remember, Steve, it was just a couple of years ago. They were bad. This team, this team had a problem defending yeah. in the red zone. And they have fixed that part of their defense maybe more effectively than any other part. And I think it's a big reason why the points allowed are what they are, either first or second, almost the entire season. And the yardage on top of that, I just think that's gravy. Uh, that's what determines whether you're number one in the league or not, total yards allowed. They're going to finish number one in all likelihood there presuming they hold the Jets down as well, which I think everybody anticipates. So it's, it's pretty impressive improvement in the red zone defense because I think it was just two years ago, and I think I have this right. I know on, in road games last year, they were like 30th in red zone touchdown efficiency. They were better at home. And then a couple of years before that, they were in the lower third of the league. To be number five now, uh, that's pretty dang good. So it's impressive going forward in another tip of the hat to Leslie Frazier and his coaching staff. We wrap up these three things with an opportunity for both Stefan Diggs and Dawson Knox to tie or possibly break the team's franchise mark for single season receiving touchdowns held by your former teammate, Steve Bill Brooks, when he had 11 in 1995. Do you think either of them are able to match Brooks' single-season team record on Sunday. They're playing a Jets team they hung 45 on back in Week 10. I think they're going to be keenly aware of that record, both the players and Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator. We've seen Brian Dable, too, last year in the uh, finale uh, in 2020 where they needed – or maybe it was 2020 – maybe it was 2019. I, one of the last two years, they had an opportunity to set a record for – how many different players could have caught a touchdown pass? And you saw Brian Dayball go for it. And you remember Taiwan Jones dropped a touchdown pass right in his grill that would have given yeah. them the record or at least tied the record. So Brian Dayball is very aware of these records. And I, I, and I know it's easy to sit here and the Jets are struggling and they, they haven't been playing well. They haven't had a great year. Uh, and the Bills hung 45 on them early in the season. And it's easy to say, yeah, they're going to go for it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Brian Dable at all to, to give those two guys, Knox and, and Diggs, a chance to, to break those records, to at least match it, give one of them two touchdowns. Or if one of them does get two, the third one's going to get thrown at him at least once. Uh, I think they have that mentality. They want to make a mark on this franchise, and I, I think they want to give these guys an opportunity to do that. Now, if it's outside the realm of reason, reason, yeah, they won't go for it. They're not gonna, they're not gonna do something crazy to try and make it happen. Uh, but if they do get down there enough times, enough opportunities, they're gonna, they're gonna sprinkle the ball to the guys who've got a chance to do something special for the franchise in its history. Uh, but you know, 
I think it's crazy to sit here and say, yeah, they're definitely going to give Knox a couple of touches in the red zone or they're going to give Diggs a couple of shots down the field in the red zone and all that. Uh, but I know Dayball's aware of it. I know the players are aware of it. So it wouldn't surprise me if they give him a shot at it. But I'm not yeah, going to sit here I, and, and I'm not going to sit here and disrespect the Jets by saying, yeah, there's no problem. Both of them are going to try and do it. They're going to throw the, the ball all over the joint. So I think they're aware of it. If they get a chance down there, they're going to give those guys a look. But I don't think they'll do anything out of, the re, out of reason to make it happen. Yeah. And just so everybody knows, Diggs and Knox are both tied for the team lead in receiving touchdowns. They each have nine on the season. Knox has already broken the record for most touchdown receptions in a season by a tight end. Uh, so he already set that several weeks ago when he got his seventh, I believe it was in new Orleans when he did that on Thanksgiving that he broke the single season record for tight end. So he already has one record in the books, but we'll see if either of them can get at least two touchdowns to tie the mark. Three would be kind of lofty <laughs> to try to break the record and get 12 on the year. Time to move on to our numbers game, Steve, as we ask you to name the top, point differential teams since the AFL NFL merger. So can you name the top five point differential NFL clubs since 1970? And I will tell you, Steve, these are the teams that you think they are juggernaut all time all right. type teams, because as go. you remember, I mentioned at the top of the show, a lot of these teams that lead the league in point differential wind up in the big game at the end of the season. All right, I say the 99 or 98 Rams, whatever they are. The, the Yeah, 99 Rams, number two on the list all time, plus 284. <laughs> I'll say uh, the 08 Patriots. But I think you mean the 07 Patriots. 07 Patriots, team. okay. 08, 08 Super Bowl. Yeah, the undefeated regular season team, plus are you ready for this? Plus 315, number one all time, and they didn't win the big one. How about uh, how about the Legion of Boone, the 12, the 2012, or is it 2013 Seahawks? No, Seahawks not on the list here. Yeah, they didn't score enough points. Yeah, if you remember, they kind of won that thing with defense. So Yeah. All right, how about really then if defense. that's the case, it's not the 85 Bears, is it? The 85 Bears are on the list. Okay. They were a plus 258. All right. Let's say this then. It's, well, let's say the 2000 Ravens. 2000 Ravens not on the list. Yeah, yet. they didn't score enough points, man. They they had like yeah. five shutouts Bears, that year. The, the 85 Bears were kind of sneaky in how they would score points. And like I, I remember the playoff run vividly. They beat the Giants at home. They shut them out. Right. I think it was 21-0 or something. And then the next week, they beat the Rams. And I think the Rams only had three points in that game. Right. It was like 24-3. to And then they win the Super Bowl 46-10. to Yeah. So the three playoff games alone they were, were crushing ridiculous. People. All right. So what have I got now? What have I got left? <clears throat> so you've got the number one team, the 07 Patriots, the number two team, the 99 Rams, and the number five team, the 85 Bears. So you only have two left in the top five. How about the and I'll, 72 and I'll give Dolphins? The 72, 72 Dolphins. Dolphins, not there. I will give you a hint on the remaining top five teams. There are two left in the top five. Both of them are from the 90s. Oh, the 91 Bills. 
The 91 Bills not there. No. Wow. The Bills not in the top the- 10. Really? No, they were. So I told you already, Steve, that this year's Bills team is on pace to be the highest point differential team in the league, and they're only plus 177. Right. And they're pacing about 17 points ahead of the 90 and the 91 team who yeah. are in the 160s. So they're not close on this list, which has, I mean, everybody in the top five is plus 250 or more. Oh, how about <laughs> Dallas? Yeah. See, now I guess Dallas, but they're not there either. But there are two there are two teams in the 90s that are on this list in the top five. One of them won the Super Bowl. The other one lost in the NFC title game. San Francisco. Not San Francisco. No. Really? The 80 the 84 Niners that won the Super Bowl, they were number seven right. on the list at plus two forty eight. So you're in the range there. But I'll so give you a not few the more Cowboys. No. Nope. Oh, Redskins. The Washington team that beat you guys in Super yeah. Bowl 26. 91 hogs, Washington plus 261. They yeah. are number three all on right. the list all time. I think I still think that team is underrated. I don't, yeah, it's I don't amazing. know why, but I, I've told this, I said this to Joe Gibbs. Um that ran that Redskin team was the best team I ever fa- saw or play. So I saw or so, played against. Best Washington team or no, best, best team, team I ever saw or the best team I ever played against or ever saw. Wow. The way they, yeah, even in that better, game. even better than those Cowboys teams the next yeah. two years. Yeah. They would have beat that Cowboys team two years later. Wow. Yeah. They, that team See? that and year. That's, and that's my point. That's my They're point. They're underrated. Because everybody, talk, everybody talks about those Cowboys teams that won the two Super Bowls after Washington, but. I still think that Washington team was that, even here's now, the thing. Vastly that underrated. Washington team played so well on the day they played us. I, you know, that just they 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 rang the bell that day, all of them, every, from start to finish. And uh, to put up that against to put that up on that day was really the difference. That was that team yeah. on that day would have beaten any team I ever saw. There was an, I said this too at the time. There was one team that I thought might have beaten them years and years later. A team that I saw play that well. It was probably, I think it was the 2012 Seahawks when they played and beat the Peyton Manning Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. Because I I know this, the Seahawks 2012 Super Bowl against Peyton Manning and the Broncos was the greatest defensive performance in Super Bowl history, bar none. Bar none. Because of who the Broncos were and the juggernaut yes. offense they were? Yeah. Or they just had because a, of how they played? No, the the Broncos' offense was a juggernaut, absolutely unstoppable all year. All year. It was unstoppable. Maybe that's the team I should guess, the Broncos of 2012. No, yeah, they're they're not even in the top ten, which stunned me. Yeah, Uh, their defense wasn't good enough. Yeah, I'll give you the remaining team in the top five here. So you guessed the 2007 Patriots, the 99 St. Louis Rams, the 91 Washington Redskins, and the 85 Bears. The number four team. The 1998 Minnesota Vikings, who oh, lost in the NFC Dennis championship Green. game. Yep. Lost in the NFC championship game, as you know, to Atlanta. Morton Anderson, I think, had the game-winning field goal there uh, as they were roundly upset by the Dirty Bird Falcons. The um, And then the hey, Falcons the, lost in the Super Bowl. That was with Randy Moss, Chris Carter, and Dante Culpepper, mm-hmm. and Dennis Green was their head coach. God rest his soul. Yeah, that was uh, that was quite the team. They had they had it going on. They were on. plus. That was 260. when 260. 
Gary, I think it was Gary, was it Gary Anderson? Who was their kicker that missed the final kick that he hadn't missed all year? He was 31 to 31. Then he ended up 31 to 32 and lost the NFC championship game. Yeah. And then Morton Anderson came on and kicked the winner for the Falcons. That's right. Unbelievable. Terrible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were plus 260 that year and didn't even get to the Super Bowl. Ouch. All right. Good job, Steve, in the numbers game. Not bad there. I mean, it really just goes to show you, like, if you're at the top of the league in point differential, you're going to have a good look at it yeah. for the big game. So hopefully that continues to be the case this year for the Bills. Hey, Daily Fantasy players, right now, new customers can get a 20% deposit bonus up to $500 on your first deposit. Just sign up today at FanDuel.com slash Bills. That's FanDuel.com slash Bills. FanDuel, the official partner of the Buffalo Bills. We now turn to an interesting quarterback ranking put together by NBC Sports Chris Sims back in the summer. I think while it's readily accepted by most, Steve, who put these kinds of ranking lists together, that Josh Allen has entered the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the league, he's still usually ranked behind what I refer to as the big three. Typically, he's put behind Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers. And I'll be the first one to say I get it. You know, all three of them have won MVPs. All three of them have won Super Bowls. Allen's level of playmaking might be on par with those guys, but it appears in most cases he won't be ranked above any of them until he has similar hardware. So it appears Chris Sims feels otherwise. Now it's known he's been a big Josh Allen fan for a while, but in his top 40 quarterback countdown rankings that he put together in the preseason this summer, he had Josh Allen ranked second behind Patrick Mahomes he had him ahead of both Aaron Rodgers, who he had third, and Tom Brady, who he had 10th. Uh, how does Allen's ranking of second overall behind only Mahomes strike you now that the 2021 20, regular season is just about finished? Well, I think it's, I think it's a nod to the current nature of the, this ranking. And I think you and I have both said this for a long time. It's a week-to-week league. Um, you know, it. So, yeah, I, I think Josh Allen on any week-to-week, this is the guy, he's the guy you want pulling the trigger. He can run it. He can throw it. He's proven himself in the upper echelon of the throwers in the, upper echelon of the throwers in the league. He's certainly as good a running quarterback as there is in the league. There may be, what, one or two guys who can run with him, uh, Lamar Jackson being one of them, uh, maybe Kyler Murray being one of them. And then, then, then I don't think there's anybody else, right? He's got to be in that conversation. Um uh, when you take his whole game and his whole package, his arm strength, his ability to make plays, you look at that game he had in New England, and it's hard to look the other way and not say this guy deserves to be uh, right up there with all of them so, because he put the team on his back and beat the top-scoring defense in the league at the time. Uh, yeah, so I, I would say Josh deserves it. And, but, but I'll say this. You take the t- like, it's like you said, you take the total body of work, and it's just not as deep for Josh Allen as it is for Mahomes, Brady, and, and Rodgers. Um, even a guy like Matt Stafford, you know, would be, you know, has more body of work, has a bigger body of work. Uh, Lamar Jackson has an MVP. So, uh, yeah, at any given week, at this current point in history in the NFL, you know, week 18 of 2021, 22, yeah, Josh has got to be in that conversation, no question. But in a big pic- in the big picture – I think you got to consider him 
more of a meteoric rise right at the current moment, not one of those stars that shines bright. I mean, let's use the celestial analogy. He's not a star shining bright just yet. He's a comet. Uh, until, he, until he holds that place for a longer period of time, we'll see how long it lasts. Look at you going, Isaac Asimov here. Yeah, with how about Celestial it, man. references. That was pretty good. Uh, yeah, and, and for me, I think the reason people still hesitated even going into this season was they wanted to see if Josh's season last year was kind of a one-off. I think they said, well, let's just make sure it's not an anomaly. Let's see if he drifts back to the mean or goes back to where he was. And while he has kind of slid back in terms of completion percentage, last year he was at 69, this year he's at 64, which truthfully, Steve, when we were talking about the 2020 season we anticipated from Josh, 64 was kind of the jump I was expecting right. him to make last year. And he goes all the way up to 69, which was insane. And now he's kind of right where I thought he would be in terms of completion percentage. And truthfully, he has been the victim of a good number of drops this season as well. But 34 touchdowns, 15 picks, rating of around 93, and really, really good in the fourth quarter. I think he's the best quarterback rating in the AFC in the fourth quarter. I mean, I think you got to put him up there, but I, I just don't see anybody. You got to win the big one before anybody puts you at the tippy top of the league. But yeah, you at least got to get in that game. You got to get in that game. Yeah. And then and then the game speaks for itself, how much you deserve to be there and what you do in that game and who helps you win that game. Or if you don't, if you don't win or do win it. Uh, but getting to that game is enormous because it takes an incredible couple of performances to get there against some right. really top-flight guys. Yeah, and I listened to Sims' argument for putting Allen ahead of Rodgers, number two for Allen, number three for Rodgers, and his argument over Rodgers, and he loves Rodgers, just to set the record straight, but he said <laughs> in 2020, nobody made more ridiculous plays to help their team win games than Josh. He cited the absence of a true run game, the fact that Allen was asked to be part of that run game that they do have, he said those factors in his estimation put Allen ahead of Rodgers on the list. Is the fact that there is more required of Allen to execute, even now on this team in comparison to Rodgers, is that enough to rank him higher in your estimation because he has more responsibility? Is that enough to put him ahead of, of Rodgers? Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. I it depends on how you want to quantify it. Do you is this certainly both these guys are the the biggest reason their teams are successful. Uh, neither team is going to the playoffs without the guy they've got there. The Bills are a much different offense than the Green Bay Packers offense, and Josh is a big reason why. Uh, Josh's availability, even in spite of the fact that he's part of their run game, he's been sturdy and held up. Um, Rodgers couldn't have done that. Uh, his total touchdowns are second only to Tom Brady in the league. Uh, the way the games transpire because of Josh Allen's abilities are totally different than the way they transpire for Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Bill's games look different offensively than any other team in the league, and Josh is the reason. It's because of his running ability. Their red zone offense is 
100% effective because of the threat of Josh Allen running. So if you're talking about the importance of the guy to their team, they're all incredibly important, obviously. But I think Josh carries a bigger load percentage-wise of the team's offensive yards than any other quarterback in the league. So, yeah, you can make the argument easily that he goes above those guys. Taking it a step further, Allen is 1-2 and two in his career against Mahomes, getting that lone victory this year back in Week 6. How many times will Allen have to beat Mahomes head-to-head to even be considered for the top ranking at quarterback. What's it going to take for him to be considered even better than Mahomes, perhaps even by some, not by all. He's got to win two more games. He's got to win this year's playoff game. If there is one and he's got to continue to, to win in the regular season. And I think both these guys have to put up, you know, they have, you got to stay in the saddle. If you're Josh, you got to stay in the saddle, right where you're at. You got to be the guy you've been this last year and this year, and you got to continue to do that. And you got to win games against head to heads against great quarterbacks. I'll say this one of the arguments that got Jim Kelly into the Hall of Fame as a first ballot quarterback instead of having to wait was the fact in AFC championship games, Jim Kelly was 3 and 0 against Dan Marino, Joe Montana, and John Elway. Mm. That was an enormous, that carried an enormous amount of weight in the room when Jim Kelly came up for debate that when it came, came time to getting to the big game, Jim Kelly was 3-0 and against Marino, Elway, and Montana. Uh, mm. So, yeah, transpose that onto what we're looking at with Josh Allen. Uh, having a winning record against guys like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, you know, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. You know, you got you to gotta play those guys. And Joe Burrow, who he hasn't faced yet, Justin Herbert, who he beat last year. But, you know, Josh Allen has, you know, this is a team that wasn't good enough to beat those teams when they played once or twice already. Uh, You can say what you want about the game this year in Tampa Bay. Josh Allen played well enough to beat those guys. And, you know, with a a non-call that should have been called, they do beat Tampa Bay, you know. Yeah. Uh, He beat Lamar Jackson last year in the playoffs, in the division round of the playoffs. Um. He beat Pat Mahomes in the regular season on a Monday game. So they're going to continue to play against these players, against these other quarterbacks. But until he has winning records against them, uh, until, you know, and Pat Mahomes, they've met three times. It's, you know, two and one. Uh, and they're, you know, they're on, they're on a collision course this year if they can make it happen. So, yeah, I think right. you gotta, you got to beat those players, uh, particularly in playoff games. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's got to beat them on the way to winning the Super Bowl. If he, if he somehow, if the Bills somehow get to the Super Bowl without having to face Kansas City and win the Super Bowl, that's still going to be out there. Well, yeah. you didn't have to play Mahomes. You didn't have to yeah. beat the Chiefs to get there. Of course, you, of course you won the AFC title. You didn't have to play the Chiefs. So in my estimation, not that him being ranked the highest is his number one priority. He just wants to win the dang thing. But I think for the pundits, to consider even consider ranking him ahead of Mahomes, he's going to have to beat him in the playoffs and then go on and win the Super Bowl after that. Yeah, uh, and some and of the teams kind of make it a clean sweep. Yeah, some of the teams that, that are in this tournament, even the Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans, who are both really good football teams, 
they will have they will not be a blip on the radar in a playoff scenario for Josh Allen, his evaluation and his career. They'll just be another game that he won or lost. Uh, and those two teams are really good. But it's if if you're in those games, it's going to be Josh Allen against Joe Burrow, Josh Allen against Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen against Justin Herbert in this playoff run. If until yeah. it happens, it's going to be Josh Allen against the Tennessee Titans, Josh Allen against the Indianapolis Colts. Not the quarterbacks. All right. All right. Good conversation there. And that is where we'll leave it for now. I'm sure if the Bills make a deep playoff run, we'll revisit it at a later date. Uh, it's pick'em time, which means FanDuel's high-low game. They're free-to-play game in which you pick teams to score highest or lowest in four different statistical categories. Get them all right, and you could win a million dollars. To go to fan to do that, go to fanduel.com, scroll down to their free to play section to get started. Free to play in all 50 states. Steve, you're gonna get us started with the high lows right. this week for points here in week 18. Week 18, points for high. I'm gonna take the Arizona Cardinals. They've stumbled down the stretch. You know they've got to have this game. If they win and the Rams lose, they can win the, the a- NFC West. And they're playing the Seattle Seahawks with the 31st-ranked defense against the pass. Kyler Murray is going to go crazy, so I'm picking the Seahawks. And the low for points, I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers. Their quarterback woes are well-known. They're facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who can still grab the two-seed if they really play in this game. Carolina's 29th already in points per game, and they're playing the Bucs, who are headed into the playoffs on a high note. So I'm taking the... Carolina Panthers has the team that will score the, score the lowest amount of points. All right. High for passing yards. I've got the Chargers. I could see their win and in-game with the Raiders being a shootout. And that means Justin Herbert will be throwing it all over the yard. So, L.A. Chargers, high for passing yards. Low on passing yards. I'm taking Jacksonville. The Jags are facing a Colts team that needs the game to cement their playoff spot. Trevor Lawrence has had a lost rookie year. They're ranked 24th in passing yards per game. With that Colts defensive front, I think Lawrence will be running for his life, so Jags for the low there. For high rushing yards, it's not hard to think the Colts aren't going to ride Jonathan Taylor all the way to the playoffs, especially going against the Jaguars. They've got to win this game uh, to get in, so they're the number two rushing team in football, and Taylor's their their bell cow, so I'm, I'm going to take the Colts. They're going, to go, they're going to ride him all the way to the playoffs. The low for rushing yards, I'm taking the Miami Dolphins. They're playing a New England team who's really highly motivated. They can still win the division if they win and the Buffalo Bills stumble. And Miami has not been able to run the ball well all season. I think that the Patriots are going to go in there and avenge a week one loss to the Dolphins by one point. All right. High for sacks. I'm going to take the Bucks, who are facing the Panthers. Pass protection has been an issue for them as well as quarterback play. Carolina has the fifth highest sack percentage allowed. Low for sacks, I like the Seahawks. 31st in the league in sack percentage. My, how that defense has fallen. I can't see them running down Kyler Murray all that much, so I am taking them for the low for sacks. That is high-low for Week 18, and that'll do it for this episode of Bills by the Numbers. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use so you know when our next episode is up. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to listen to Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. We'll catch you next week, everybody. Playoff time!